Uh, we're going to be dealing with the gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 23. And I'm going to begin reading with verse 39, but I want to go to God in a word of prayer with you. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to worship you and we praise you, dear God. We glorify you. We know you're God all by yourself. And I pray your word will go forth and accomplish your purpose. I pray somebody's going to be saved. A life is going to be changed. Somebody's going to connect with your kingdom and your church. God, move in a powerful way, dear God. And I pray that your word will not come back empty and void, but everything you wanted to accomplish will be accomplished. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts, let them be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, you're our strength and our redeemer in Jesus name. Amen. In the gospel of Luke chapter 23, verse 39, this is from the new King James version. Listen to what God's word says. Then one of the criminals who were hanged, blasphemed him saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him saying, do you not even fear God seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Amen. I want to talk about conversations from the cross, conversations from the cross. It was on the cross of Calvary's Hill where Jesus died to pay the penalty for our sins. The word of God teaches us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all messed up. We've all done wrong. And the word says, and the wages of sin is death. The sins we committed has separated. us. That's what death is, is separation. And our sins have separated us from that right relationship that we need to have with God. But praise the Lord. The word of God also teaches us that God demonstrated his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. That God didn't stop loving us, even though we all sinned and got separated. And God demonstrated that love. He didn't wait till we got better, but while we were still messed up, Christ came and died on the cross to pay the committed. And then the word of God teaches us that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. And so Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, that is what we celebrate when we talk about the resurrection, when we talk about salvation, when we talk about redemption, is Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. And my childhood pastor used to talk about when Jesus died on the cross, of course, they had already uh, taking him from judgment hall to judgment hall. They had already falsely accused Jesus. They had already lied on Jesus. They had already arrested him for some, for no reason at all. And they had taken Jesus to be judged by Pilate, then to be judged by Herod, and then back to be judged by Pilate, and then found innocent, but treated as though he were guilty, capital punishment. And then those Roman soldiers whipped Jesus all night long with those leather straps with glass and metal at the end of it. So when they would whip Jesus, they would pull flesh from his body. That's why we talk about the broken body 
of our Lord. And then after they whipped him all night long, then they, they, they compelled Jesus. They made Jesus carry his own cross up Golgotha, up Calvary's hill. And then after they got to the top of the hill, they laid that cross down on the ground and they put Jesus on the cross and those Roman soldiers nailed his hands. And then they took those spikes and nailed them into his feet. And then they grabbed that rope and they began to pull that rope up. And my childhood pastor said, when they began to pull that rope and raise the cross of Jesus Christ up, that the angels in heaven leaned over the banister of heaven and said, y'all getting ready to mess up now. You've already nailed his hands. You've already gambled for his garments. You've already lied on him, but you getting ready to mess up now. You've already taken him from judgment hall to judgment hall, but you getting ready to mess up now. You've already spit on him and taunted and teased him, but you getting ready to mess up now because Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw all men and women unto me. And Jesus dying on the cross is what gives us a right relationship with our faith that we can have it with God. And I want you to understand that when Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't just one cross on Calvary's hill. It was three crosses on Calvary's hill. There was a cross on the left, a cross on the right, and a cross in the middle. The cross on the left, the man died in sin. The cross on the right, the man died from sin. The cross in the middle, that's where Jesus, he died for sin conversation from around the cross. There was conversation from beneath the cross. That's because whenever you're going through a crisis, whenever you're going through calamity and catastrophe, it's a lot of conversation that takes place. It's a lot of talking when you find yourself in trouble. It's, uh, everybody's got something to say when you find yourself suffering. And so all that conversation from beneath the cross and from around the cross. Now, today we're not going to address a lot of conversation that came from beneath the cross. But we want to look at the conversations that came from around the cross of Christ. And of course, the conversation that came from the cross of Christ. That first conversation was that first criminal. And that criminal, he actually joined in with the taunting and the teasing of Jesus. They had already uh, gambled for Jesus' garments. And then they, they took this inscription and put it, over the head of Jesus on the cross, teasing him about being the king of the Jews. And then they taunted and teased him. If you're supposed to be the Christ, you're supposed to be the anointed one, then save yourself and come down off that cross. And so the first conversation around the cross, the man that died in sin, he said to Jesus, he joined in with the taunting and teasing. You're supposed to be the Christ. You're supposed to be the anointed one, the savior. He said, why don't you save yourself and then save us too? Why don't you come down and then bring us down with you? And he wasn't saying that with confidence and belief and trust in Jesus. He was saying that to taunt and tease Jesus. He's hurling insults at Jesus. And, and I want you to understand something that Jesus didn't respond verbally to him. Jesus didn't have anything to say to that man. And I believe part of that reason is Jesus has heard that kind of talk before. If you be the Christ, the man said, Jesus heard that before Jesus had fasted and prayed for 40 night, 40 days and 40 nights. And then right after his fasting, the devil comes and tempts him 
If you be the son of God, turn this stone into bread. If you be the son of God, then jump from the pinnacle of the temple and the angels will catch you and you'll land safely. Jesus has heard this kind of talk before. No wonder he didn't respond to the man saying, if you be the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. Because here's what Jesus is helping us to understand. Jesus refused to try to prove who he was by coming down to other people's low expectations. Yeah, he's the Christ, whether he comes down or not. He's the Christ, whether you believe in him or not. And Jesus says, I'm not going to try to prove who I am by coming down to other people's low expectations. And I hope you get that in your spirit today. Because in a crisis, everybody's got something to say. You're supposed to be a Christian. You're supposed to be a child of God. You're supposed to be the Lord's son or daughter. And look at all the stuff that you have going on with you. Y'all, don't have people causing you to jump through hoops trying to prove who you are in God. Here's what the Bible says. Now, this is what the apostle John said. Now are you the children of God and it doth not yet appear what you shall be because you're going to be like him. You're going to be like Jesus. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to come down and lower yourself to other people's low expectations of what you're supposed to be and do. You already a Christian. The word of God says that Jesus came unto his own and his own received or not. But to those who believed in him and received him to them, he gave the power to become the children of God. Y'all, we're children of God, not because we jump through the hoops of those who criticize Christ and the church and the kingdom of God. But we're the children of God because we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, I hope, refuse to come down to try to prove to somebody who we are in God based on their low expectations. If you're the Christ, the criminal said, the conversation from the one that died in said, then save yourself and me. His, his argument is this. If you're the Christ, then why am I on the cross? That if you're the, the Christ, then why am I in a crisis? His whole mentality was there's no way you could be the Christ and I be in this crisis. And he's not the only one thinking like that. There are others who try to determine if God is real or not real. Is Jesus is real or not real? Is Jesus really the the, the the Christ and it's all based on our Christ is because how he can he be the, the Christ and I'm still going through this crisis I'm in and, and let me say this too your crisis doesn't have anything to do with him being the Christ he's the same yesterday today and forever God has already spoken from heaven this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased hear ye him he's already you we just have to accept him as Christ to help us to deal with our crisis and this man, the reason he's in a crisis is based on his own bad choices and his own ugly decisions. He's the one that lived a lifetime of being, he's a criminal, a lifetime criminal. And now you're mad at Christ because he won't pull you out of the consequences of your own ugly choices and decisions. No, he's still the Christ, even though you're in a crisis. Jesus didn't even respond to him. But that's not the only conversation that came from the cross. There's another conversation and that came from the man dying on the cross on the right. This is the man that died from sin. And while he's dying on the cross, he rebukes the first thief and says, leave this man alone. 
He's innocent. He doesn't even deserve to be up here. And you ought to have enough fear of God and honor of God. You're going through the same condemnation and you're going to talk like this. He said, leave him alone. We, and then he said, we deserve to be up here. You and I, we sinned, we messed up. We did wrong. Now we're suffering those consequences, but not this man. He's innocent. And then watch what he says. He says, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. And Jesus said, today, you're going to be with me in paradise. I want you to get the conversation that's coming from this man that died from sin. He acknowledged Jesus as king. When you come into your kingdom, well, if you got a kingdom, you must be a king. And not only did he acknowledge Jesus as king, he admitted his own sin. He said, we deserve to be up here. I've done wrong. I've messed up. I've sinned. And then he accepted Jesus as savior. No wonder. Jesus made the promise with him that you're going to be with me in paradise. And the same promise that Jesus made to that man as he was dying after a, a lifetime of being a criminal, a lifetime of sin, and Jesus still saved him. It's the same promise he's making to us, but we have to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. He said, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, acknowledge him as king. The apostle Paul said, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God is raising from the dead, you shall be saved. So acknowledge Jesus as Lord. And then the man admitted his sin. He didn't try to act like he didn't deserve to be up here. I never did anything wrong. I'm only human. Everybody makes mistakes. He didn't No, He did not come up with a bunch of excuses why he sinned against God. But that sin separated him from the Lord, but he admitted it. First John one and nine says, if you confess your sins and then God is faithful and just and he'll forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Y'all, when you and I admit to God and, and confess, actually that word confess in the Greek is homologeo, homo meaning same, logeo means to speak or to say, to talk. Homologeo means to say the same thing. And when you and I say the same thing about our sin, that God says that this sin is wrong, that this is what's separating us from God, then God is faithful and just and he'll forgive you. So you got to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, then confess your sins, and then by faith, receive Jesus as your savior. He said that Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. He realized I can't get into the kingdom of God by myself. I've done too much wrong. I have messed up too much. I've lived a, a ungodly life and the wages of sin is death that has separated me from God. I can't get in the kingdom by myself, but I'm going to accept you as my savior. And I pray that that takes place right now with you. Acknowledge he's Lord, admit your sins and by faith, accept Jesus as savior. And then, and then here's the last conversation. Well, let me say this about confessing sin and accepting Jesus Christ. Uh, Dr. Harry is right. He was the president of Bishop college uh, when I was there in the early eighties. And Dr. Harry is right. Tells a story about this, this man that, uh, that uh, called on a, he hailed a cab, a taxi. And he jumps in the taxi. Of course, this is before Uber and Lyft and all of that. And in the early 80s, and he hailed this taxi in New York. And the man jumps into the taxi 
and the taxi driver takes off drive and drives a block and the man hasn't said anything. He hasn't said where he wanted to go. Taxi driver drives two blocks. Still, the man hasn't said a word about his destination. Taxi driver drives three blocks and finally the taxi driver said, sir, where do you want me to take you? And the man said, I want to know how much does it cost for you to drive me back 10 years? He said, 10 years ago, I made a wrong turn and I've been living in the consequence of the wrong turn that I made 10 years ago. And I want you to tell me how much does it cost for you to take me back 10 years? And the taxi driver who happened to be a Christian said, it doesn't cost you anything. You can make a U-turn. You can turn around. You can repent because Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left the crimson stain, but Jesus washed it white as snow. You and I can be saved because Jesus already paid the penalty on the cross. When we acknowledge he's Lord, admit our sin and accept him by faith as our savior. Let me get to the last conversation. This is the conversation that came from the cross of Christ himself. Jesus also spoke. And one of the things Jesus said on that cross is today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Here was a man that messed up. Here's a man that sinned. He ripped people off. And now he's living in the consequence of all the sins he's committed, but he put his faith in Jesus. And Jesus said today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Now I want to make clear that Jesus did not bring the man off the cross. He didn't stop the pain. He said, cause I don't have to bring you down to get you into the kingdom. I don't have to bring you down off the cross to get you into the kingdom. I don't have to stop your pain in order to get you into paradise. I wonder how many of us are missing out on paradise because we're trying to get there without pain. I don't know why we have not understood that it is crisis that builds our character. It's calamity that gets us to our crown. It's the struggle that builds our strength. Jesus said, I don't have to remove your pain to get you into paradise. I don't have to bring you down from the cross to get you into the kingdom. Matter of fact, I'm not removing this crisis because it's the crisis that created the opportunity for you to be near Christ. Nowhere in scripture do you hear this man or see this man anywhere near Jesus. Nowhere do you see him being close to Jesus. Nowhere do you see him talking to Jesus. It wasn't until he was being crucified. It wasn't until he was in a crisis. And now in this calamity, look at how close he is to Jesus. Maybe the reason why the Lord allows crisis and won't remove our crisis so readily is because it's the crisis that creates the opportunity for us to get close to Jesus. Because if we'll admit it, most of us, when everything is going well, we don't pray the way we should, and we don't even try fasting. And we might go to church, maybe, and we might stream a minister, maybe. But when a crisis hits, we pray like we never prayed before. We even try fasting. We read God's word. We try to hear God's voice. We meditate on the Lord. And it's the crisis that creates an opportunity to get us close to Christ. Jesus said, 
I don't have to remove the pain to get you into paradise. Matter of fact, that crisis that you're in has changed your conversation to the kingdom. Here's the man that's lived a, a lifetime of being a criminal. But now when he's in this crisis and he's been nailed and he's going through, he said, Jesus, when you come, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, remember me kingdom. Yeah. Look at all this kingdom talk. Now he hadn't talked about the kingdom before now because it's the crisis that changed his conversation to include the kingdom. Let's be honest. A lot of times you and I, we talk a whole lot about careers and educational opportunities. And we talk about business and we talk about financial portfolios. We talk about clothes and cars and houses and condominiums and, and vacations and trips. We do a lot of talking, but not much of it is about the kingdom of God, the rule, the reign and the righteousness of God. But now that a crisis has come, I hear more talk about Christ and the causes of Christ and the church and the kingdom of God, because in so many instances, our crisis is what changes our conversation to include Christ in the kingdom. Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise, but I don't have to bring you down from the cross to get you into the kingdom. Matter of fact, it's your crisis that has led to your conversion. Lord, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. This man never would have been converted, never would have been saved, never would have embraced Jesus had he not gone through the crisis he's gone through. Maybe instead of trying to say Christ is not real because of your crisis, maybe you might re rethink that. Maybe God is using this crisis to get you to open up to Christ, that you might be converted, that you might become a Christian, just to get you to focus on the Lord a little more than you have been focusing on him. And I'm so glad that Jesus is still in the saving business, no matter what you've done, the mistakes you've made. And the crisis doesn't mean he's not the Christ. It just means he's trying to get us close to him and he's using a crisis to make it happen. There was a little boy that was out playing with his little boat and he loved his little boats and he's out there playing with them. And then the waves took his boat away. And as the waves took his boat away, the little boy stood there watching his boat getting further and further away from him, trying to figure out how can I get my boat that I love so much to come back to me? And the little boy started picking up stones and he was throwing the stones in the direction of the boat, not to hit the boat, not trying to sink the boat, but throwing the stones just on the other side of the boat. And when the stone would hit the water, it would make ripples and waves and the boat would get a little closer to him. And he'd throw more stones, not trying to hit and sink the boat, but throwing it to the other side of the boat. And there were ripples and waves and the boat got a little closer. So he kept throwing stones, more ripples and waves, boat got a little closer until finally the boat got so close that the little boy picked it up and took it out of the water. I believe that's how God does us. That sometimes we allow the things of the world to take us further and further away from God, like these on dying with Jesus. Sin took them further and further away. And God says, Jeffrey Johnson, I got to figure out a way to bring you back to me. And God then picks up stones, trials, troubles, and tribulation, and he throws them at me, not to sink me, but to cause ripples and waves. And those ripples and waves make me move a little closer to the Lord. 
And then he throws some pain and problems and persecutions, not trying to destroy me, but to cause ripples and waves. And it brings me closer to the Lord. And then he throws stones of hurts and harms and harassments. And God is not trying to take me out, but the ripples and waves bring me closer to him. And then one day I'll be so close that the Lord will just pick me up out of all of this. Our grandparents said, I'm so glad trouble don't last always. Y'all, God has not forgotten you in these hard times in in this crisis that we're going through. God is going to use that to get us closer to him today. You will be with me in paradise. And notice that conversation from the cross of Christ. He says today and the Lord speaks to us oftentimes in present tense today you but we miss out on the privileges that God has for us and the blessings that God has because he's speaking to us in present tense but we keep talking about things in past tense the sin I did and I messed up 10 years ago and I made a wrong turn five years ago and I made mistakes in the past and God says I'm I'm talking about present Psalm 46 He's a very present help in the time of trouble. Joshua said, choose you this day who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. God says, the day you hear my voice, harden not your heart. He speaks to us in the present tense. He told Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to your home. And he told the thief on the cross next to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. And that's the word to you. Today, you can be saved. Today, you can get it right with God. Today, you can become a Christian. Today, your sins can be forgiven. And many of us are missing out on it because we keep talking about what we did yesterday. No, he's a present God. He can save you in the present if you stop tripping over your past. That's really what salvation is all about. That Jesus says, I'm not gonna let your sins of the past Get in the way of salvation in the present. Today, you will be with me in paradise. In paradise? Yes. When, when the Lord talks about paradise. In, in the Bible days, uh, kings would, would have, um, they would have their palaces that were huge. And they would have a, a, this, this courtyard and the courtyard would be outside in terms of the sun being able to come through, but it was enclosed within the palace. So it's enclosed with the safety of the palace, but it's still open to air so the sun can come in there. And they would, they would decorate the courtyard so beautifully with landscaping and all of that. And when the kings of that day wanted to bestow an honor on a person that blessed the king or the kingdom, they would get an invitation to come to the king's palace and they would get a chance to walk in the courtyard that's beautifully landscaped and they would have communion and union with the king where that courtyard was called paradise. And when the king wanted to bestow honor on a person that blessed the king or the kingdom, they get to come over to the palace, to the king's home, and they get to walk around in paradise with the king. Jesus said, today, you will be with me in paradise that you get to go home to be with God, to walk around in communion and union 
with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that can happen today. And I, I know, I know it's, it's hard to try to understand uh, God's home because <laughs> sometimes in the Bible it's called paradise. Jesus called it paradise. When we talked about glory. The apostle Paul even talked about uh, paradise, but the apostle Paul, when he spoke of glory, he also said, I got caught up to the third heaven. And then the apostle John, when he was on the Island of Patmos writing to the seven churches of Asia minor, uh, he talked about that. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And it's, old heaven and old earth are going to pass away. And then he talked about, and the new Jerusalem, the, the city of peace, the, the glory of God, that new Jerusalem is going to come. So sometime when we talk about heaven, the glory that we go to the home of God, that sometimes it's called third heaven. Sometimes it's called new Jerusalem. Sometimes it's called paradise. And if you're not careful, you can get confused about all that. When it says third heaven, the first heaven is where the atmosphere is. The second heaven is where the sun, the moon and the stars are. The third heaven is where the throne of God is. Paul said, I got caught up to the third heaven. I went past the atmosphere. I went past the sun, the moon and the stars, and I got caught up to the throne of God, third heaven and new Jerusalem, that city of peace, that place of glory during the eschaton, the eschatology, the ends of time. Yeah, that's what the apostle John called it new Jerusalem and then Jesus calls it paradise that enclosed place with union and communion that you can have with God and if you're not careful all that will throw you off but I don't want to throw you off here's what Jesus said today you will be with me in paradise so I don't care if you call it third heaven I don't care if you call it new Jerusalem I don't care if you call it paradise to be with Jesus, that's heaven enough for me. Jesus said, today you will be with me. Now that is paradise. That is the third heaven. That is New Jerusalem. To be with the Lord. Now, I want to take a moment because I know that during this national crisis and world crisis, that some of us have had family members and people close to us who have died. And didn't have a chance to have those home going services that we're so familiar with where we celebrate the life of the person and we reflect upon them and get a chance to see them for the last time and say goodbye and to bless the family and, and let the family know you're not in it by yourself and support them. But during this time, I know that some of us have had family and friends close to us who have passed. And nobody brought over any chicken. Nobody brought over any greens and cornbread family and friends because of this social isolation. Didn't get a chance to come over. Didn't get a chance to go to the house of God where your loved one loved and spent time. None of that happened. And I just want to encourage you that even though none of that happened, the promise was that you're going to be with me. And because your family member, your friend put their faith in Jesus Christ. Now they're with him. Third heaven, New Jerusalem, paradise. No, they're with Jesus. Jesus said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And if I go away and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there, you'll be also. And I just want you to know that they are with Jesus. The Lord came and took them to be with him. Now, let me close this message. Jesus said, 
Today, you will be with me in paradise. Pastor E.V. Hill, he said, when Jesus promised that thief dying on the cross, next to Jesus dying for our sins, today you'll be with me in paradise. E.V. Hill and all of his creativity, his sanctified imagination, he said that Jesus stopped dying, grabbed that thief off the cross and took him up to heaven because he's got to make good on his promise today. You're going to be with me in paradise. And when Jesus took that thief and they were standing in front of heaven, the gates of heaven had been closed and, and the angels were standing out guarding the gates of heaven because sin separated us from God. And the angels were making sure that nobody who sinned would get in there. So the gates of heaven were closed. And Jesus said, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. And the angel said, who is this king of glory? Jesus said, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Now lift up your heads, O ye gates. And Dr. Hill said that those angels lifted those gates up just high enough so that Jesus could throw that thief in there to make good on his promise. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. And then those angels began to close the gates of heaven back down. And Jesus said, don't close those gates. Leave those gates open. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. And the angel said, Jesus, if we leave these gates of heaven open, then anybody can get in here. And Jesus said, that's why I'm dying on the cross right now so that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can be saved today. You can become a Christian. You can have a right relationship with God because Jesus paid the penalty for our sins on that cross on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, an emblem of suffering and shame where the, so that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved.